What's up, everybody? It's time for another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Kiwi. Today's podcast is an interview with Monica Strutt of The Last Martyr. Their new single, Like a Ghost, is out now. Check it out. Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in Monica Strutt of The Last Martyr. Monica, how are you today? What's up? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, it is uh, Saturday morning for you, Friday night for me. Um, none of that matters because this will all probably air next week anyway. But um, super stoked to talk to you. We've known each other for a while virtually. Uh, it has been great getting to know you and even work with you a little bit on things. And um, But I'm super pumped up about the band. Uh, for those that don't know, The Last Martyr is an up-and-coming band from Australia, Melbourne to be precise. Um, I always feel like Americans, we uh, take Australia as just one big, you know, congealed Australia. But, you know, it does have major cities, five or six of them. And, you know, you <laughs> got to be fair to every city. Um, well, thanks. So, yeah, of course. And so, yeah, I, I feel like your band is on the rise. And now's a great time to chat with you. Um, the latest, you had it both an EP and a single drop last year. So why don't we do this? Let's find out sort of the origin story of the band and, you know, take us briefly up to today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, started the band 2018 when I moved from Sydney, which is our biggest city here in Australia, down to Melbourne, which is kind of like, it's kind of like the LA of Australia. Like the music scene is really pumping. The live scene is really, really good. And it's just a much more creative and supportive kind of city. And a lot of good Australian bands come out of Melbourne. So when my last band broke up, I road tripped down at takes 10 hours from Sydney to Melbourne, uh, did the drive. And, um, at first I, uh, took kind of a little bit of a break from music and then eventually found my bandmates who, uh, I started the last martyr with. And it was really crazy how everything sort of came together. I was sort of losing hope of finding the right people to start this project with. And I was getting really, really frustrated. I've been playing in bands since I was really young. And, uh, it was kind of like the longest stint that I've I'd ever had without being in a band. And, um, yeah, I, I found Ben, the guitarist on a music forum and he knew the other guys that were in the band from previous projects and it just came together so easily and quickly. So, um, we launched with a couple of singles. Our strategy was always to build an online following before we tackled uh, the live market because Australia is not as big in population as some other countries. So we felt it was really, really important to actually um, build that online presence and release music prior to attempting to play live uh, when people don't know you. And uh, we ended up playing our first show uh, about nine months, six to nine months after we launched. And that was last year. And it ended up being a sick show at a festival. And, um, yeah, from there, we've just been playing, uh, around in our hometown and we've released our debut EP last year and then a standalone single towards the end of last year. And we've got new music lined up to release in 2020. Amazing. Uh, and you got, you, it seems like, you, you know, I, I, I obviously know you a little bit, so I know that you work at this daily, but it seems like the whole band has a really strong work ethic, which seems to be a key to your early success. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the reasons why it took so long to put this band together was 
because I've been playing in bands, many, many bands my whole life, I knew that I wasn't fucking around with this band. I hope I can swear. Um, swear. I, thanks. I like, I wasn't playing around and I knew that whoever I was in a band with, they had to be savvy. They had to have been in touring bands before my last band toured overseas. We toured Australia many times and um, they had to know what they were doing and all pull their weight in terms of a business sense because I feel like a lot of people are very, very focused on creating and you should absolutely, that should be your first priority. But I knew that for me, I needed people that were very savvy. So my guitarist, Ben, I mean, he, um, one of the reasons why we clicked was when we were chatting online before we met in person and kind of sending demos back and forth, um, he, you know, we, we were of course discussing where we wanted to take the band and he said to me, okay, I want to work with this manager. I want to work with this booking agent. If we get, you know, signed to an agency eventually, um, I want to record with this person, this, this, and this. And I was like, holy shit, man, these are the exact people that I want to work with. And to have that exact sort of plan and for that all to come together, I knew that he was the right person. So, and you know, the drummer and my new, um, we've got a new bass player now. Um, they're both extremely savvy as well. And they're always going kind of trying to be ahead of the curve in terms of trends and release strategy and everything. So I'm very, very lucky. I f- oh, awesome. I feel like it's very <clears throat> underrated to talk about your band members, but you know, as you know, you had a band prior to this and, and I have had several over my musical career also. And, you know, you start out with the best intentions and everybody's very enthusiastic and you have a full head of steam, but like every relationship of any kind, there's a honeymoon period. And then when the honeymoon is over is when you really know if something's going to work long-term. So it's great to hear that you were able to you know, kind of craft this, you know, figure, find the right people. And then they actually lived up to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like my old bandmates, they were great as well. And many of them were like pretty savvy. Um, but I mean, I knew that like, but the bands that I'd been in probably prior to that, when I was sort of like late teens, early twenties, uh, like the bands that I was in, they really just had no idea. Like they just thought that playing and playing and playing shows live was the way to grow an audience and being a digital marketer myself. I know that that's definitely not the case. Right on. Um, and then I wanted to touch about, let's sort of talk about the music and kind of the step up. I love the Creatrix EP, which was only a year ago. And, Thank you. And then you're welcome. And then I think six months later, you dropped a brand new standalone single that was like even another step up from that. So, you know, it, most bands take years to kind of evolve and you guys seem to be like shot out of a cannon a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we, thank you so much. I mean, we feel that way as well. We love the EP of course. And there's especially, you know, a couple of songs that will always be really close to my heart. The songs that we released as singles, but, um, yeah, like a ghost, which was the standalone single that we did. It was kind of the beginning of a new iteration of the band. So we just had our second guitarist leave the band and he was influencing the songwriting. So we kind of had this opportunity to, I guess, start from scratch and kind of think about, okay, where do we want to take our sound? What do we want to be? And we kind of almost like started off on that clean slate. We also changed um, the producer that we're working with or 
not changed. We started working with a new producer who kind of pushed us in a way that I personally haven't been pushed before. And he really started off at the beginning asking us those questions. What do you want to sound like? Who do you want to be? Um, which I hadn't really been asked by a producer before. So, uh, we've got more recording time scheduled for May and we've also got another single, which we were hoping to drop, but we've had to push that back due to, um, you know, some isolation laws and not being able to film a video clip, but it's all good. Um, yeah, it's still going to come out later this year. And yeah, if you like that single, like a ghost, I'm just so pumped for you to hear the new stuff. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, I have noticed on social media, your posts and the band's posts about sort of, you know, being together apart and, you know, collabing, whether it's business or stuff, um, you know, little four screens. That's, that's our world now. This is, we are the Brady Bunch TV show opening. Yeah. All of us <laughs> with no Alice, just the few, you know, handful of us together, whether it's podcasting or videos with bands or live streaming. So it is a bit of a new reality in a way. It's kind of interesting that, uh, this, t- this is going to make us all, you know, should force us to all be more creative and, you know, sort of powerhouses of content creation in the future, huh? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're lucky we filmed a sort of like a behind the scenes series earlier this year. And so we've got some content up our sleeves that we can kind of keep putting out there and keep getting our name out there and keeping people entertained with our stuff. But, um, yeah, it's definitely an opportunity to kind of think a bit differently about how we go about releasing music. Nice. I think uh, we're all going to need to be fluid and flexible and something tells me what, even once we get through this period of time, this coronavirus quarantine self-isolation, I feel like down the road, we're going to have to change everything about society and how we do things. And, you know, we're going to need to be a little more flexible and have our plans be a little more fluid, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's funny because I was saying before our, our focus was online for a good six to nine months when we launched the band and we launched the band with like a single and a video. And it was a long time before we played live and 2020 was kind of going to be the year where, okay, like we've kind of built our online presence. Now we're ready to translate that into real life a little bit more, maybe do some bigger supports and whatnot. And then this happened and we're like, yep, I guess we're still sticking with that online strategy. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, sometimes these things pay off and other times, you know, I don't think anybody was really, you know, there's no, we could not have foreseen this. Um, I think any of us actually. So that mm. uh, just, you know, we didn't have a crystal ball too, too much. So even, even of if course. we had, even if we had acted immediately, which, you know, no one really did, but had we, we still probably would have been where we are right now. I think just there probably would have been less lives lost um, not to get, somber for a second on a morning for you. Um, I hope you've had your coffee and a good cry. I have. Anyway. <laughs> my my daily every, coffee and cry, the two yeah, C's. I start, I, I start every day with, with a, a big cry and a, and a cup of joe. So good, good times. Yeah. Um, yeah. That way get it out all day, you know, for the rest of the day to come. But exactly. um, I, I think one thing that's, that's really interesting, you know, uh, I love the music. I'm a big sucker for melody. As much as I love heavy music and metal, I love great melodies. And The Last Martyr has no shortage of them. And I have to shout you out because 
a lot of singers don't really consider their range. You know, you hear through the history of music and rock, you hear like maybe three to five notes low in the range, and then everybody tries to hit that octave, but you actually use your whole range and a lot of different voices, heavy, melodic, singing, all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm really impressed with that. And I wanted to talk about kind of your vocal influences. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot because it's something that I do put a lot of thought into. Um, So I, when I decided that, I mean, I always wanted to be an entertainer, but when I wanted to go down the music route, I wanted to be an actress before that, (laughs) which thankfully I didn't go down that path as I was like pretty shit, to be honest. Um, So when I wanted to uh, take music full time, the reason for that was because I was really, really into bands of the eighties and primarily Guns N' Roses were such a huge um, sort of part of that journey. So Axel's range, um, I I think my range, I emulated his vocal parts a lot and he goes very, very low and he goes very, very high, but he also sings in between and he also has a couple of different sort of tones to his voice that he likes to use and it just keeps it interesting. So he was like my number one role model when I was learning to sing and he still is in terms of like range and, you know, the voices that I just mentioned. But I also love um, like Johnette Napolitano, who's like the singer of Concrete Blonde. I love how low her voice is. So my voice wasn't naturally low, but uh, one of the things that I used to do is try and challenge myself by singing along to like songs like Joey or um, Caroline or any of on a, any of um concrete blonde songs they're just so so beautiful but um yeah like I I don't know I just think it's boring to stay the same to be honest like I think that there's just so much that we can do with our voices whether that be more raspy or whispering or you know going super high going super low I like variety myself and I think I would get bored um, if I was to do the same thing over and over and then because I've been singing for 15 years when I started the last martyr, I was like, fuck, well, what else can I do? So then I started to learn to scream. And as we were, you know, writing, I was learning to scream. And, um, you know, now I'm trying to learn a couple of different types of screams. The new single that we've got coming out uses a type of scream that I probably wouldn't recommend to anyone. I did it by accident in the recording studio and the producer was like, yes, do that in the (laughs) song. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay. (laughs) Like I was just mucking around with my band members and I I can get like quite loud all of a sudden. And I just did this, like, I don't know, scream that probably was not good for my vocals, but (laughs) I'm working with a vocal coach to emulate that in a safe way. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just someone who gets bored really easily and um, you know, guitarists have guitar pedals and uh, you know, drummers can, you know, change their snare drum and put different cymbals in there and vocalists. It's much the same thing. I just think you just got to try and incorporate as many different colors to keep it interesting. I love it. I actually, had you not told that story, I would, I had guessed that you were a natural alto with like a soprano ability and not, not the other way around. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially from Creatrix, because there's some really throaty, low passages in there. For And it's obviously, there's like emotional effect. They go with, you know, clearly you're making choices based on phrasing and lyrics and emotional impact of the song. You know, what what a singer actually does, not just yell into a stick like everyone thinks that's what singers do. Um, there is actual yeah. technique and, and challenging, interesting things you can do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I had to shout it out, because whenever I hear like really good vocals, I'm, I'm like, what? Word. I'm like that meme with Jim Carrey. Oh, you know, <laughs> my ears perk up because there's so many. And I get it. Like if you find something that works, you know, conventional wisdom says double down. But I, again, I find most vocalists, they either don't consider the whole range of notes you could conceivably do or uh, they can't. Yeah. And like to, to get like really, really nerdy, just cause I pretty much never get asked about this shit is like, even in like a ghost, um, or is it Hindsight, the new song? I don't know. There's one of the songs where I um, go, like I say the words low, but then the note that I sing to sing to sing the word low goes high. Um, so it's like really like nerdy shit that you can kind of put in there. And um, I love like twisting, like phrasing, like um, Chrissy Amphlett, who's the singer of Divinals, who is another influence. She's not as big overseas. Um, well, Divinals weren't as big overseas. I think everyone just knows them from the song I Touch Myself. Um, yes. But they have really, really incredible kind of new wave influenced rock songs and they were big, huge in Australia. And um, she, yeah, she's another sing- singer that I admire and she kind of like twists her words and has like very unusual phrasing, but it sounds great. So yeah, I just love nerding out on all that. <laughs> Word. And to cry a little bit more, I think she's passed away. So let's get really sad for a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a double away. cry type of day. <laughs> uh, double cry, double cry. She's too, super sad. She's wonderful. I love, I love, I love these uh, influences that are, you know, a little beyond your years. That's also pretty unique about you. You don't hear people shouting out concrete blonde or divinals much anymore. So that's great. And, yeah. um, you know, you know, I think it's a, it's interesting. I think maybe sometimes all singers can fall into a box, like the first thing you do or do well. Again, I think the tendency is to just, oh, I'll just do more of that. So it's good that you're challenging yourself. And even after a long time singing and performing, you want to keep challenging yourself. That's awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so psyched to hear about new music. We'll get it when we can get it, hopefully. Um, and, I, and I hear, I think there's a, prevailing wisdom right now some bands are just dropping stuff they were saving and others are like well i need to wait to put out a proper release so asking you about your own band obviously you've decided to pause a little bit on some of the content and maybe the music but uh hopefully this thing doesn't drag on and on for months and months it could we don't know i think the uncertainty is hard for the business right now so what mm-hmm. would you, you you know clearly we've heard your choice and what you guys need to do for yourselves what would be your advice to bands right now if they are sitting on material they were going to release in may or june yeah i think if you're if you've got material ready to go if you've got your um your like single, it's, it's mastered, you've got a video done. I think that now is a really excellent time to release. I come from a music journalism background as well. And just from my colleagues, you know, there's definitely a lot less news coming out because bands aren't necessarily touring or playing shows. So it's kind of leaves a little bit of extra room in the editorial calendars for bands to be releasing music. And we were pushing so, so hard to 
get that video clip done a couple of weekends ago. If we'd had filmed it the weekend prior, we would have just got in just in time. Um, and, but the, unfortunately, you know, we got kind of like locked down, um, the weekend that we were meant to film our video and it didn't happen, but had we have got it done, um, I would have definitely been releasing during this time because people want entertainment. They're at home and, um, you know, as musicians, a lot of the time we're kind of writing for ourselves, but the reality is like we've got a service to provide, which is entertainment. So I think if you've got stuff ready to go, like PR agencies are still running, like you may not be able to do a launch show, but if you're a small band, uh, it's really all about like Spotify and social media anyway. So yeah, I'd go for it. <laughs> right on. That's, that's kind of, I, I know it's depends. I know hate breed postponed their album. A lot of, uh, Bands have that were supposed to have physical product ready for May or June don't have it made, so that's a concern. Mm. And if you're a band that actually sells physical product, you might want to wait. But if you didn't, you know, I feel like if you didn't have a marketing reason to hold it, then let it out or let something out. But it's good that you guys have some behind the scenes stuff and you have a good perspective on it. So I'm I'm psyched for new music um, for sure. And then um, I know, you know, it's easy for me to say, this is what the band sounds like. And the journalist and occasional publicist in me is like, you know, for fans of, but if you wanted to drop some influences that you come to the table, then I love that you mentioned GNR also, we could talk all night about them. Uh, <laughs> um, incredible still incredible actually um yeah the only thing that could slow down and stop the guns and roses reunion tour is a worldwide pandemic think about that shit um <laughs> right like the only thing stopping them they were supposed to only tour for like a year and then you know five, almost five years now um wow so but i wanted to ask about kind of the influences of the last martyr your personal influences you dropped a few already um lots I, i'm sure lots to uncover but rather than give my opinion i want to hear it from you yeah, well, it's really interesting. Um, I think a lot of bands have this problem where they don't know how to define themselves, but I would say the EP is really melodic metalcore um, at its at its core, sort of like post-hardcore, metalcore, um, rock, I guess. Um, so, but the new stuff is more leaning towards um, some of the like 90s and 2000s influences that we have. It's a lot more new metal influenced, which we definitely feel is coming back and are uh, stoked because um yeah my guitarist especially grew up with all that shit so he's like yeah right into it but um yeah I mean we've got a really wide range of influences you'll probably hear a lot of progressive stuff in the EP um because the the guys are really influenced by prog like periphery and tesseract and um carnival and um, also mixed with my influences and my old guitarist who was in the band during the time of the EP, we loved, um, you know, more sort of like rock slash metalcore bands like Asking Alexandria, Black Vowel Brides, um, A Day to Remember. The list really goes on. So it was kind of like a mashup of metalcore, but with more like complex and intelligent parts done in a very subtle way, but still very, very catchy. <laughs> Nice. Well, the catchy is the key. And uh, I would say new metal gets a bad rap. I still love a lot of new metal. And I was a dyed in the wool thrash metal and death metal person in the 90s. And I loved all the new metal stuff. And I know a lot of people didn't quite get it. And, uh, and I feel like metalcore also in like uh, metalcore draw drew some influence from new metal, and specifically sort of the group of bands that came up 10, 15 years ago, 
as sort of as new metal was kind of waning a little bit. So I find it interesting that like some of those bands picked up the torch and people didn't realize the influence. So, you know, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, new metal is definitely having a resurgence here in Australia. And I don't know if that's going to influence the rest of the world because we do have a very kind of um, strong heavy music scene here, but um, bands like North Lane, there's also a band called Ocean Grove, um, Bands like that are sort of bringing the new metal sound back. And yeah, I, I think it's going to have a resurgence. I mean, I wouldn't say like our new stuff is strictly new metal, but you can definitely hear those influences in there. I'd say it's more like rock than anything, um, but more like Bring Me the Horizon mashed up with like ginger, mashed up with, I don't know, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Not, see, to me, nothing wrong with that, even though I just did an entire vlog about like Woodstock 99 and some mixed feelings I have about Limp Bizkit. But in general, <laughs> I really like Limp Bizkit and I would love to interview Fred. I'm sure you would too. And um, yeah. or Wes. Wes seems like an absolute nutter and I would love to hang out. I would love to just hang out with him and just talk music with him because I just think he's so weird and interesting and smart. But um I think a lot of a lot of new metal gets a bad rap. I'm going to say it again. I think, and more than just Corn, and more than the first Deftones record, and more than Cold Chamber, and more than Linkin Park. There's a lot of depth in that genre. If people dig a little bit, there's a lot of good. Mm. There. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I, Linkin Park was pretty much my gateway into metal, like before I even, you know, discovered all the bands of the eighties, which really kind of like turned me, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so yeah, yeah. Linkin Park and, um, those sorts of bands that were around then were such a huge influence. I can't believe that debut Linkin Park record is 20 years old this year. I feel so old. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. I feel that's so absolutely old. crazy. And, uh, <laughs> And I was going to ask you just as a last question about, about the music and the band, was there a sort of a local band, whether just Australia as a whole or local to you when you grew up that you saw making music and you were like, Oh, I want to do that. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, when I was younger, I was focused on, you know, that eighties rock scene. And I was also like an emo kid. So I definitely loved my emo music, but there were some Australian bands like, um, the Amity Affliction, uh, the Getaway Plan and, um, Gyroscope and also, um, Little Birdie who were more like indie, but had like very, very cool, uh, vocal melodies. And it was very like dark at the same time, even though it was pop. Um, those are definitely like the acts that really, really influenced me growing up. Nice. Yeah. You wouldn't figure you wouldn't figure this out for me, but actually, I, I, I feel like the Amity Affliction is one of the most underrated bands in the world. Um, oh, really? I know that sounds crazy coming from me because I don't seem like their typical fan. But I saw them once live, and I was absolutely blown away. I had no real expectations coming in. I kind of knew them a little bit from their reputation and the song here or there, like a single. And I saw them do a whole show, and I came out a fan. Wow. Yeah, they are. I mean, they've been doing it a really, really long time and they are very, very good at what they do. Um, they, they do get a little bit of flack here and there because every single album that they've ever released pretty much, well, the last few albums are pretty much all the same. Um, but their first, like their first three albums from my perspective, like really encapsulated like the time and, um, they just do what they do very, very well. It's that perfect mix of like, hardcore post-hardcore and also melodic 
vocal lines and, and catchy choruses, which to me is like the perfect combination. Exactly. And not to mention that it seemed like for a while that whole genre, that whole sort of all their peer bands were shifting slightly, except maybe Parkway. Everybody was kind of like, let's be a synth, 80s synth band now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like they were the one band that was like, yeah, no, we're going to keep doing what we do. And you guys- like the there. blessed by a broken heart sort of era into Shikari. <laughs> yes. And I like them too. Uh, we've covered yeah, same. them a few times. A big, good band. Uh, Rue. Rue is an incredible front person. Um, so yeah, that was, that's a fun little, uh, subject or two to tackle. Uh, and then I was going to say, I, I love to hear about your, I don't think I've ever actually heard the story. You kind of were in journalism and still a little are, and, and you sort of be, you became a social media and music marketing guru, not overnight. Cause clearly nothing is overnight, but it seemed like it, you know, I became aware of you through that and then the band. Um, yeah. and so I wanted to hear about sort of this concurrent path you're on at the same time. Yeah, cool. So, um, I mean, I started music journalism, oh God, it was about seven years ago. I always loved writing and of course I love music and I was in a band at the time and I thought that, I mean, I did reviews of shows, of live shows just for my own pleasure, like, and no one would ever see them. And I would just go see a show. I remember um, being 17 and I'd made friends with Crucified Barbara from Sweden and they were coming to Australia and um, the legal age is 18 here. And I was too young to get in, but somehow I snuck my way into the venue and they put me on the door because I made friends with them. And it was just like one of the greatest nights of my life. And I ended up typing a review on that. So I used to do this kind of stuff for fun, but uh, I, I was on a music website and they were looking for contributors and I kind of put my hand up as I thought it would be just a good opportunity to write um, and also potentially, obviously, get into some gigs for free and get some free music. Like, that's that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I was just sort of writing, um, you know, like I, I was volunteering so I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have like quotas or anything like that, although they encouraged you to do run one review a week. And then I wasn't taking it too seriously, but I did learn um, a little bit in the process and refine my writing. And then that magazine got taken over by the current owner and that was Heavy Magazine, uh, got taken over by Carl Newman and he was looking to sort of expand the magazine. And I was coming to the, I'd been writing for a number of years and I was sort of coming to the end. I knew that my my band that I was in at the time that I was in for six years back in Sydney had ended. And I really had this creative hole that I needed to fill. And I also had a friend who was a, like a, quite a big beauty guru on YouTube. And so she was making a full-time income from social media and the whole world of social media was just so fascinating to me. And so when he was asking for someone to manage the social media, I put my hand up straight away and I was like, yep, I had already been managing social media for my own band. I was just naturally very good at it. I understood it. And, um, but I was like, yep, I really want to learn about it more in like a formal way for doing it for another organization that isn't just my band. So yeah, I started, I became the social media manager of that magazine, um, under Carl's sort of wing. He taught me a lot. And then I just, I literally became utterly obsessed. I was so obsessed with learning the algorithms and learning about each platform and learning about just marketing principles that within only a couple of months, I had a job by the way, that was very, very quiet. So I had a lot of time on my hands during my day job. So it allowed me a lot of time to research and take courses and 
do all this stuff. And, um, yeah, I, when I moved to Melbourne, I then took on, took on a role, um, you know, working in a day job for a fashion company and managing their social media. And once again, receiving training and, um, learning just so much more about like ads and everything. And over the period of like two and a half years, I went from just being sort of an admin customer service person to then being like a full-time digital marketer. And I was also freelancing as a digital marketer for, um, for just other different companies. So that was kind of my story. And then gradually, um, my, as I was working more and more for heavy magazine, cause it's just a casual role and managing their social media. I was also then asked to do interviews. Like I was, I became like a senior journalist, not just like a, you know, a contributor. And, um, I, I guess gained a lot more visibility interviewing some of the biggest bands in the world at all the festivals. And as that began to begun to happen and I'd already established myself in the local scene as well. So all of this was kind of happening at the same time, but yeah, like I gradually started to get, um, messages from bands that I knew bands that I didn't know asking me about social media, um, and asking me about how to release music and how to get published and get PR and press and everything. So I decided to create a YouTube series on my YouTube channel, um, that I'd started a couple of years prior. I was doing like fashion videos and that didn't really work out because uh, I wasn't passionate about it. Um, but yeah, that gradually turned into my business. So it's, it's been a long road and, um, it's like just crazy how everything fell into place how it has. But, um, yeah, now I do. Now I run a consulting business doing like marketing and branding and release strategy consulting for bands. Girl, you have skills. You just, uh, answered three potential questions all in that one go. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, making my job easy, uh, scratch that off, scratch that off, scratch that off. Awesome. Um, but yeah, it seems like a very effortless and seamless transition for you, which is impressive and awesome. Um, I, for those that are listening that are not aware heavy, I would say is the equivalent of Loudwire or metal injection, uh, probably some blend of the two, a little bit better journalism than Loudwire, probably about the same audience core as injection. So nice job there. Um, I always admired heavy from afar and, um, oh, that's awesome. And then I've seen, like I said, I've seen, having, having done a lot of interviews either in person on camera, uh, not always the easiest, especially at festivals in, you know, green rooms and things. So, uh, what's, what's like sort of the craziest without, you know, hurting someone's reputation. What's a crazy story you've had from the journo side. Oh my God. There's so many. I mean, I've been doing like the, like on camera interviews at festivals for over three years now. And when you are, I mean, the thing is like, you can put in requests for who you want to interview at, at these events. Um, and you may get the band and you may not. Um, but also, usually you're sharing the role of interviews with someone else. So, you know, while someone's conducting an interview, you can then go research the next band and you can kind of swap. But um, as like, you'll probably know, Keefe, schedules change and you don't find out who you're interviewing sometimes, or at least my experience is you don't find out who you're interviewing necessarily until that day. So it's kind of like a high pressure situation where you don't know 
you know, who to kind of spend time researching beforehand. In fact, I probably don't um, bother like researching beforehand because I know when I get to the festival that morning, I'll have some time. But yeah, I just remember, um, that someone was supposed to interview prophets of rage and they changed their interview schedule. And I was the closest person to the media tent at that point. And they were like, Monica, get here right now or else we're going to lose profits of rage because, you know, they're a big band and, um, they don't have time to wait around for us. And, and, um, which is absolutely fair enough. And so I was like, shit. Okay. So I remember running from the VIP bar all the way through like the center of the mosh pit that was happening for the band that was playing all the way behind the stage to the media tent. I knew nothing about profits of rage. I know I should, but to be like, honestly, as a music journalist, you, you know a little bit about a lot of things, but you, you're not going to know about everyone's history. So I didn't know what questions to ask prophets of rage. I was absolutely shaking and I got there and, um, I got there right on time to interview them. And I was like, shit. Okay. Talking to the cameraman, tell me about them. What should I ask them? And, um, yeah, I just kind of had to wing it from there. I, just was so incredibly nervous, but I ended up chatting to them about Australian wildlife and what books they were reading because I think they were just sick of the same bloody questions at every single interview. And when I noticed their eyes light up when I was mentioning, you know, the Australian wildlife and what they were doing outside of the actual shows for the festival run, um, I kind of just noticed that and we kind of rolled on from there. It ended up being all good. But whenever I think of that one particular interview and the panic of like, running through a mosh pit um, to a band that was like, you know, is pretty like intimidating to interview. Um, it still like makes me very, very nervous to think about, but fuck, we got there in the end. You handled it. That's amazing. I have never had to run through a mosh pit for an interview. I've definitely run across festival grounds and I've definitely <laughs> done a couple of uh, interviews with my pants down, so to speak, and not, not ready or unthrown for a loop and had to think on my feet. And I do think that bands do get asked the same questions over and over. And that band in particular has been asked a lot of the, you know, they're disbanded now because of the Rage Against the Machine reunion. Um, but they they were definitely getting asked like the same 10 or five to 10 questions in every interview. So Prophets of Rage, what's up with, what does this mean for Public Enemy and Rage Against the Machine and Cypress Hill? It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like it doesn't, why everyone asked that question or would ask like Tom questions about the other band that like something else. What's, what's Zach doing? I don't know. We have this band. He's not around right now. Like he's, yeah. <laughs> doing, he's doing his solo career and not doing this. Like, don't worry about it. Ask me something else. Um, yeah. And then they obviously got asked a lot of political questions because Tom, the, Tom and Chuck, especially are very political guys. So yes. um, good job. Good on you to think on your feet like that and ask something else. Yeah, even if it came sends from, shivers down my spine. <laughs> right, it came from a place of panic, but you actually came out probably better for it hopefully i'm still too scared to watch the interview back oh i have a few of those oh god <laughs> i have such a relationship with that I, I feel that so deeply right this minute like there's definitely a few i've done that i'm just like oh i can't even watch this thing um yeah like what am i doing Why? there's always gonna be a few <laughs> and there's definitely one podcast uh i don't know if you're familiar with the band twin temple 
which is the satanic yeah. doo-wop band. They're incredible. Uh, I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. And I, and I, I was like uh, definitely obsessing over their music. And then I got to meet them at their like sold out show and interview them. They're a couple, the two front people. And um, I literally almost jumped in their lap and hugged them because I was just getting so, I fanboyed out really hard. Um, oh my God. I even told their publicist, like, I got to tell you this. It's not that it's a bad interview, but I fanboy out really strongly to their face. And then I even remarked on it. I was like, wow, I'm fanboying out pretty hard right here. I normally don't gush this much about a band to their face. I usually do it behind their back. <laughs> but here I am and here you are. I love you guys so much. I just couldn't help myself, but they're that good. Um, I highly recommend them. So it's happened. I've had those moments myself. So thanks for sharing that. Can't be easy. Um, we look forward to more of your exploits. Uh, although I assume as the band continues to grow, you may you may get to do your music full time at some point. But nobody really has a full time band. Everything is a you know you gotta have that side hustle like we always talk about. Yeah, I mean I don't do like too much music journalism anymore. I, I just tend to do the on camera interviews at festivals. Um, so I only really do it like a couple of times a year. I've just sort of. Um, yeah, just that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with that. But um, yeah, like I just remember the last couple of festivals that I've done. I've just been thinking to myself, I feel like this could almost be the last time that I do this because um, my goal for the band is obviously to be starting to you know play the opening slots at these sorts of festivals and. Um, I don't know. It's it's been such a good experience because when we do get to that point. I'll have such a different perspective and I don't think I'll be as nervous in some ways um, when I, when I do get to that point, but I don't know, I feel like, yeah, I'm grateful for the experiences that the, um, that being able to work for heavy has given me, but at the same time, I'm ready to attend festivals from an artist perspective and actually play them, not just do interviews. So that's something that I'm trying to manifest over the next uh, year or so. Oh, I love the word manifest. Nice. Um, yeah. So just as we start to close down, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit more about your music marketing. Obviously, I've come to know you from there. You are amazing. Uh, you have your mindset group on Facebook. You have your social media shredder course, your PR course, and now you're starting up this uh, sort of exclusive membership club to tr really sort of give hands-on training to bands. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that because I think it's an amazing concept that I don't uh, think anyone else is doing. Yeah, I don't think anyone else is doing it either. So I was, um, I released three online courses um, last year and I also do the um, the private consulting, which I mentioned earlier, but I was thinking about, okay, well, you know, the beginning of the year was approaching and I was like, okay, well, what course am I going to release this year? And then the COVID-19 stuff happened and a lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of bands were very confused about how to move forward. And I thought the best way that I can serve my community is by, you know, I wanted to do a branding course, but I was like, you know what, like branding is just such a small part of succeeding and growing your audience online and getting to that next level as a band. How can I possibly, you know, deliver all these things that bands need to know in order for that to give them the confidence and empower them to move, especially through this particularly difficult time. And the membership idea was really, uh, you know, probably the best solution for that. It's a really, really low investment per month and you can cancel any time as well if you're on the month to month plan. And 
essentially you get delivered a mini course every single month on a different aspect of the music industry. And it kind of goes in order as well. So, um, the first, uh, masterclass mini course that we're doing is release strategy because what I find is bands don't really know how to release music effectively. And, um, you know, they're, you know, dumping a whole album on a very, very small fan base and wondering, you know, why they're not getting the traction for it that they probably thought the album would have gotten. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a monthly membership program. You get a different um, mini course slash masterclass every month. You also get a Q and a with me every single month. So um, as I do do consulting as like my main sort of thing, um, it's an opportunity for bands to have one-on-one access to me, kind of get some feedback on where they're at, um, with their releases or planning or branding or whatever they want feedback on. So we got a Q and a once a month. And also uh, what I felt was really needed was a supportive community. So it's a private Facebook community. It's only going to be available to the members. There's no spamming. There's, you know, I'm not even going to be sharing my podcast in there. It's purely a place for the members to support each other. And let me tell you, like I opened the doors early to a small wait list that I have and we've got, the members in there, like they're just so incredibly talented. I'm actually gobsmacked at, at the people in there so far, the couple of members that we do have, like they're so, so talented. I've worked with them all, um, in some capacity or they've been a part of my community for a little while. So I I kind of know them and their bands already. And above that, Um, above all else, I know how focused they are. So I'm really, really hoping that if that's a sign of things to come, like this community is going to be so incredible in supporting, um, other musicians and bouncing ideas off others. And, um, especially at a time where, you know, I'm so passionate about mental health and personal development. And I really felt like the community and support aspect was, um, like just as important as like the strategy aspect, which of course you're getting, but yeah, I wanted to, the group to kind of have that aspect as well. Cause it's, it's very important to me. Nice. I love hearing that. Um, it's, it's great how much value you give actually just in general on a daily basis, your instas, the posts you make, the PMA, the real world practical advice you give for free. Um, it's kind of funny. I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of a, I talked about this earlier on a different podcast about sort of a, a sort of a disconnect, right? A cognitive dissonance about sort of, so if you want to be in a band and, you know, you can blindly try to make it, air quotes, make mm-hmm. it, or you can actually get advice from people who've had some success, uh, whether it's social media, management, bo- tour booking, whatever. And so I think there's sort of a, a little bit of a, sometimes a pushback, uh, A, on the bands who try to get, out there more and better themselves and improve themselves and be a little bit on our community. Um, so I don't know if you felt any of that or had anybody kind of harsh you or mellow or try to, you know, cut you down a little bit, but I'm, I'm seeing it out there where there's some bands that are like, well, you know, if I had somebody helping me with my marketing, well, yeah, if you did, you might be getting somewhere. Like there's no rule book to this. There isn't, there isn't, you know, there isn't really, uh, there's nobody really, laying out the steps and I see a lot of mistakes and I'm sure you did as a journalist and in a band as a you see other bands around you make blunders and Every day. no one yep. <laughs> no one corrects them 
And then, you know, so if you, you know, it's like if you have a friend and you, you meet a friend and they have food in their teeth, do you not tell them because it's embarrassing or do you tell them with, you know, give them the medicine and say, hey, take them aside privately and say, do you have like a little bit of lettuce between your teeth from lunch? Can you, you can get rid of that? Because um, you want to save them the embarrassment and help them in the future. Well, you yeah. Know? And, and like I'm – there's like a couple of things I can say off that. Like the first thing is I am – I'm in this as well. Like I started a brand new band 18 months ago and we've achieved, you know, over 130,000 streams on Spotify. Um, and, but there's also stuff that I probably would have done differently restarting this band, but I w- I've also been in bands for, you know, 10 years before that. So I've made every single mistake there is out there. And so first of all, like my first and like foremost job is to try and help bands not make the same mistakes that I did, but also, you know, my old band did tour overseas and we did do national tours and had label interest and we had management interest. Like we've achieved a lot of the goals that I know that a lot of the bands in my community want to achieve. Um, But of course, like, you know, then there's the whole, like my experience in journalism and branding and marketing and everything that goes alongside that, that I can definitely teach in that way. Um, So I definitely have like a lot to share, but I I think like the coolest part is that I'm in this as well. Like I'm in a band, we're unsigned, we're figuring it out. Like there is no rule book. The industry has changed so much in the past, even the past year, how you release music looks completely different in 2020 to 2018, say. Um, And I wanted to like the knowledge that I'm sharing this membership is real world knowledge. Like this is actually the stuff that bands are doing like literally last week. And you just can't get that from any like university or institution. I mean, I did a three year music degree. I came out feeling lost. So um, yeah, I come at it from a very real world perspective. And also the people in this group, it's not for people that are like, Oh no, I just want a manager to like do all the work for me or, you know, I'm, it's not for people that aren't motivated to make this shit happen themselves. Like the people that this group is for, they're already pretty savvy and they know, and they're so focused and utterly determined to put in the work that it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. Like that's the type of people that are going to be a part of this group. And so I don't think we're going to attract any like naysayers or anyone that just wants to focus on the music. That's not the point. Um, and good luck to those people. Like, that's fine as well. But there are so many talented musicians that are incredibly focused and they're the type of people that I want in this membership. Nice. And then as a final question, this is a bit of a wild card, but I like to throw this out there sometimes, especially because now you have this acumen you've, you've gained and you share and teach. If you could go back to before you started in bands at all and you had a Monica Strutt come talk to you, what piece of advice would you like future Monica to give starting out Monica? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that the most important thing above talent, above marketing, above looking good, looking like, you know, professional or whatever, the most important thing is self-belief and if you don't believe in yourself, you're going to have a really, really hard time convincing other people to believe in you. And it's a work in progress. Like we're all learning to like love ourselves and back ourselves in such an incredibly difficult industry. But that work is above all else, the most important work that we do um, that anyone does regardless of your career. Um, So I would just make that 
a core focus above anything is to just make sure that you have, um, yeah, you're just like believe in yourself and, and back yourself because um, without that, then it's going to be really, really hard road. Well said. Uh, Monica, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been a pleasure to get to learn a little bit more about your history and a great, you know, sort of high view of the band and your whole career up to now. Uh, super excited about new music from The Last Martyr. Whenever we get through this pandemic problem, you know, quarantine, orama, whatever this is. And uh, once again, thank you so much for just being you and being awesome. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me. I've enjoyed this chat so much. Awesome. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.